Lord, we come before you this morning to worship you, to glorify you. Ultimately, Lord, we want to, with this class, we want to be able to just be free to proclaim your name, to know how to do it with wisdom, with care, with compassion, with love. Lord, help us to speak the truth in love with people. May you help me as I speak today uh, and give my thoughts here that that they would be biblical, that they would truly be helpful, that they'd be a reminder to me, to all of us, of what's important. Lord, I pray that you'd free our minds from distraction this morning, help to wake us up, give us a supernatural energy this morning, a supernatural clarity of mind to be able to focus, to be able to pay attention, to be able to speak, Lord, as I speak and as Mark speaks today uh, and later at Echelon, that you'd help us, Lord, as we try to proclaim your name and, and teach about you, that that we do so in a manner that is true and honoring to you and yet gets to the heart, uh, gets to people's hearts. We need your help to do that. We need your help uh, if we're going to be changed. And I just pray that you'd continue to conform us to Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, the last lesson that I wanted to give was just going to be some practical thoughts, practical um, ways of evangelizing, of uh, dealing with different types of people that you'll come across, and, you know, how you just go through some of the nuances that at least I've experienced when talking to people. Uh, and hopefully they can be beneficial to you. And if you have any questions too, please uh, ask if there's something specific to your situation. I could give my thoughts and everybody else could chime in as well. Um, so, yeah, that's what our plan is for this last one, to be very practical. <coughs> so, Maybe right off the bat, does anybody have any questions or any thoughts or something they would probably like to touch on? No? Okay. All right, well, as I get going, if you think of something. Um, the first thought I had, probably the most overarching thing, and I've touched on this, you know, as, as I've gone through, but to really make it um, personal and practical, we don't want to put any kind of stumbling block for people in front of the gospel. What I mean by that is um, we don't want to give people any reason whatsoever to reject either us or the gospel message. Like, if they're going to reject something, it needs to be the message of Christ, the gospel itself. We cannot do things... Um, whether intentionally or unintentionally, either in our demeanor or in our speech with what we talk about or what we emphasize, that would make it hard for somebody to hear the gospel and to accept or, or reject it. Um, it's like when I think about Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, when he came to the Corinthians, he desired to know nothing among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that ought to just be the dominating theme of our lives 
and of our message when we talk to people. We really want that to be the focus, to think except Christ crucified. And we want to have that as the central message that we proclaim and that we live by. Right? If people know us for anything, it ought to be that we love God, we love to proclaim Him, extol Him, exalt Him, and obey Him. And there ought to be a sense with people, especially those who are closest to us and we, we have the closest relationships, they ought to perhaps in the greatest degree be able to say, oh man, you know, Caleb or Hakum or Tim, or like they are sold out for Christ. They love Jesus. You know, that just ought to be the first thing they think about. And there is a way to cultivate that. Cultivate that kind of thing in your own personal life. That would cause people to say that. And then with people who, you know, we just meet and we want to share the gospel with, they ought to walk away thinking, wow, this person has really shared something amazing with me if it's true. Right? Like, they're, they're, we're sharing good news with people. We're sharing how to have their sins forgiven, how to get to heaven. We never want people to walk away thinking, wow, that guy was rude, inconsiderate. We never want them to, to walk away thinking Christians are, you know, these right-wing conservative, and, and you got to believe what they... That should not ever be what we want to leave people with. And I understand, perhaps, it's tough, especially when you're talking with people you just meet. They will drag you into all kinds of things. And so my hope is to help us avoid avoid some of that um so the gospel being the dominating theme of our life right no other reason to to reject what we have to say or reject the message and that's not politics right we're not putting forward uh some conservative belief system that people have to believe in if they want to be christians and this happens i mean all i mean you get you know people out there they want to protest abortion and you know i get it it's a good thing but that very easily turns into this uh political thing you know that's like oh well you know your leftist ideas and we just begin to like talk down about that and then they come thinking oh you're just some you know right wing political conservative and you don't let that be the theme. If we are going to go out and protest abortion, we've just got to be very careful to make sure that we are doing it in a way that gets the point across that this is for God and for Christ. And we want to talk to, to unbelievers about their own soul, primarily, and not just, and I'm talking about evangelizing. There's a time and a place to, you know, especially depending on the person, if you have some political office and you're able to make you know, these decisions and you stand up with a uh, speech for abortion against it and you want to be pro-life, that's fabulous. But most of us, that's just not the case. And that's not the situations we're going to be put in. Um, we don't want to do that. And, and then that just brings up a whole host of other social issues. You know, people, because here's the thing. People, and I've mentioned this before, uh, especially like in some of these Wednesdays with Road Trips to Truth, they will talk to you about anything and everything. And they were, are willing and happy to share and express their opinions 
and all the thoughts that they have about the world and how things ought to be operating and they are happy to dialogue with you all day long no matter how offensive you may be to them and no matter how different their view may be from yours they just want to express their opinions right i mean and that's what the proverbs say the fool is just concerned with getting his opinion out he doesn't want to listen and so people are just like yeah this is an opportunity for me to share what i believe and stand up for these things and great they're happy to do it and so we have to be mindful of that that we don't get you know dragged into a conversation of just trying to poke holes in people's belief system yes um, i just had a conversation yesterday with someone kind of along the same lines as this and would you say that in in those types of things like when people say if they believe in abortion or they believe we shouldn't be surprised at that right like because yeah. if their if their heart isn't changed from the gospel like that's a result. So when we go after those things, we're going after fruit. We're going after works. We're not actually going after like the heart. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's pretty much it. You know, when we're talking with unbelievers and people, nothing's off the table. I mean, I have talked to people who have literally told me rape is not wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Murder. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, few and far in between. But people justify it. Like, well, you know, in the right circumstance, yeah, how are you going to tell this tribal Indian that he can't kill this guy? I'm like, you know, nothing's off the table with people. And so, yeah, I appreciate that. It really, it's going after the the fruit, the symptoms of their unbelief instead of realizing that, that the gospel is the message that's going to change that sort of stance. We can't change people with our reasoning out of, you know, a pro-choice view. And even if we do, they're no better off, really. They're still lost. And so, yeah, that's a good point. Just remembering, always, no stumbling blocks in front of the gospel. And if we make it hard for somebody to hear the gospel because of these things, we've got to, got to kind of backtrack a little bit and say, all right, wait a second. Like, we got to talk about what matters here. You know, I'm a Christian and I want to share how to have your sins forgiven and how you can end up in heaven and and the problem of your soul right now with where you're at, right? We're going to have to talk about sin with people if we're going to share the true gospel. But the emphasis is on good news. I mean, that's the gospel. It's good news. We just leave them with, hey, you're a sinner and lost and on your way to hell. That's not good news, right? Um. I guess when you say that sometimes you have to because you don't want to throw the frost to the swines. Yeah, with what? What do you mean? Yeah, like, you have like to be. Some, like you, you don't get to the gospel because you know they really don't want to hear it. So why would I waste something so precious? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I um, I I think you just got to be careful, you know. Um, and I actually have that as a point in here because. But we'll just talk about it now. One one obstacle or thing I've encountered is dealing with offenses. When people offend you. Um, and that really can be, for us, a stumbling block to sharing the gospel. And we never want that to be the case. You know, when people offend us or say something hurtful or mean. It's easy to just say, oh, forget this. I'm not dealing with this. But realizing along the lines of what we're saying, nothing's off the table for these people. 
They're going to spit in our face. They're going to curse us. They're going to call us crazy and Jesus freaks and all manner of things and say, you're just stuck in like the Stone Age over here, right? I mean, you've experienced that. And so, nonetheless, we want, we still want to make sure that we have love enough in our hearts for, for even such offensive people that we want to get the gospel to them because that's the power of God unto salvation. And we want to explain to them, hey, listen, you know, it's, it's almost like you just let those offenses go right over your shoulder, right over your head. <clears throat> and it's probably easier. I don't know. I've experienced it's easier with people who I don't know. You know, like when I'm out on the square, or I go to the student union and they call me like silly names. I'm just like, oh, whatever. But with, with family members and people who love you and you labor with them and they're the ones that say offensive things, it's a lot easier to just let those offenses add up in my heart and just be like, forget this. How many times have I been, you know, tried to share the gospel and I forget it. So... It's being careful and discerning with every situation because there is the reality where we don't want to cast our pearls before swine. And um, to discern those instances, I really think just takes a great deal of wisdom. You know, because how I've always viewed that is like you don't speak to a fool according to his folly and yet you do, right? And so it takes wisdom to discern, man, if me is me sharing the gospel in this scenario just going to heap up abuse? And like, I'll, I'll give you an example with my family. Okay, this happens with my family. Whenever there's a big group gathering, and I talk about Christ with everyone collectively, it's chaos. They all feel. Um, like camaraderie between themselves against me. And so they all team up and they're like just going after me. That's that's silly. That's stupid. That's, you know, you're crazy and they just bash it and that makes no sense. Okay. So I've learned when there's a big group gathering, usually it doesn't go well. The best thing I can do is to be a servant to them and to love them and to demonstrate to them all what a Christian looks like. Now, when we're alone, one-on-one, -on -one, with each of these individual family members that do this as a collective, it is night and day. I mean, I share the gospel and talk about Christ, and I'm able to ask them sincere questions about their heart, and they respond with such conviction, seriousness. They ask good questions. It's like they, they can be almost more vulnerable because they don't feel like, oh, you know, in the group of the family, I'm going to be looked at as, oh, now he's believing what Hakum is saying. You know what I mean? And so, so taking wisdom like that, where I would say when, there, when it's a big gathering, it's casting pearls before swine because I know what it's going to do. It's just going to stir everybody up to anger. But when I, that doesn't mean then when I'm alone that I just say, ah, oh, no, you know, forget it. I've already tried. Yeah. I guess also the other thing um, is that let's say that somebody's giving you a hard time. But if there's a group of people, you don't know who. I mean, I may be telling you, and I know that you're going to be the one rejecting it. But the person listening to it, you can see even their face kind of like, I'm getting convicted. So I don't think that I'm throwing my pearls to the swine because I know that other people are hearing. I need to be yes. talking to you. But 
this guy's hearing the message. Hundred percent, absolutely, brother. That's another thing. You never know who's listening to. You know, and even when we go to the university, actually, we, just uh, this past week, not yesterday, before that, when me and Jeremy went, we were talking to a table. We were talking to, uh, I think it was two girls here and two guys sitting at a table right next to us. So we were talking with the girls, and they were interested, you know, asking questions. We were sharing the gospel with them, and I can overhear the two guys talking about, man, yeah, my life is just totally not for Jesus right now. And I'm like having to focus on talking to them, but I can overhear how their conversation turned into, you know, wow, this is, I'm totally not living like this. And so after we had finished with them, we kind of stopped and we're like, hey guys, you know, I could hear you overhearing our conversation. And then we were able to have a great discussion with those two guys too. And so, yeah, you just never know. Um, so don't, don't shy away from, from sharing the gospel with people, but you know, use discernment and wisdom to say, is this really a profitable opportunity? Is this producing something that's a good discussion? Or am I just like causing, stirring people up to anger for, for no reason? It's not necessary right now. Um, so there is something to being able to discern and pick, you know, the right time. And, and we're not going to get it right every time, right? But hey, that Christ is proclaimed, he could use the worst timing that you've ever had to save a bunch of people. So, yeah, just being careful with that. Being careful, not shying away from sharing the gospel. Yeah, may I add another thing too? Yeah. Um, I think not, not to get discouraged when you share the gospel because A, you know that that person really bent his name to Jesus. You will never know it, or mm-hmm. you may know it like later down the road mm-hmm. that somebody's like, like, how come I didn't know that? Yeah. <laughs> because you know that you were the person that, in fact, you know, dug the trench for, for that to happen. Not that it's not Jesus removing the scale. Absolutely. Like, yeah, so I would say don't get discouraged because you never know. Yes, totally. Yeah. Can we go further on the not casting our pearls before swine? Is that application based or like situation based or person based? I understood that passage. Yeah, I think, I mean, from what I've gathered, I really do think it's situation-based. Now, when I say that, it could be person-based in the sense that a specific individual you share it with has just shut you down time and time again. I mean, we look at the, the apostles after Christ, and Christ told them, there's a time to move on. When persecution comes, there's nothing wrong with shaking the dust off of your feet and going somewhere else. And Paul, when the Jews had just, when he he would be in the synagogue, for example, for three months, let's just say. I'm just reading the book of Acts. And the Jews just rejected and rejected and bring up abuse. And he says, okay, listen, my hands are clean. I have strived to make sure that you've understood this gospel, that Christ is the Messiah and you're rejecting it. So just let it be known today. That my hands are clean from your blood, okay? And I'm going to the Gentiles. So I think that's the idea. There, there's a, a reality in which when people reject and reject and reject to the point of persecution and harm, there is a time to move on. There is. is it, can I say exactly what that is in every circumstance? Like, oh, the moment you get... You know, stoned, that's it, you're done. No, I can't because 
I mean, you just look down through history and some of these missionaries who have been stoned. Like I think of that Adoniram Judson. I mean, seven years in one place and beatings upon beatings upon beatings. And the poor guy would go back and finally people started getting saved. And so, you know, I don't know. Is there like a hard, fast rule about, no, now it's time to move on? No. But there is just discernment, I think, to use the pearls of the gospel and the most wise way to produce the best fruit in any given circumstance. Um, and, and, and that just takes, you know, a renewing of your mind, seeking the Lord in every situation, especially specific individuals who you feel like they've rejected it. But if they're still open to having conversations, I'm like, have, keep talking, you know, as much as they're going to let you talk and share and different angles and different ways of coming at it with life and um, keep doing it. Don't let their offenses, though, stop you. You know, if you feel like hurt by something, don't. That's not a reason to stop. But if you really feel like it's causing damage to them, like, okay, every time we talk about Christ, it's getting worse and worse. Like, maybe it's time to just stop sharing the gospel for a little bit and love this person in a way I haven't, and serve them in a way that they've never seen. And perhaps that will bring up another opportunity to talk about Christ. So it's not like we're giving up on on the gospel with them. But we're just trying to be wise and say, man, you know, how can I make this the most fertile and fruitful thing? Does that kind of answer? And also, I would say that that's, it, it's more rare when you're not going to share the gospel with somebody that yeah. And I, I would say to that, I mean, always sharing the gospel with people, we know, is the will of God. At least once. I mean, you never have to ask yourself, wow, is this casting my pig, my pearls before swine if I've never talked to this person about Christ? You never have to ask yourself that because you know, I mean, the will of God is that you proclaim Christ to them. And that by hearing, they might be saved. And so we never know how it's going to be received. It's only, you know, what results where we would say, okay, wow, how can we make this better? We're more effective. And we're always in prayer about it, you know, seeking the Lord. Um, another thing I had was not nitpicking people's sins. I think that's a big one. You know, like I said, we ought to talk about sin, but, but it's easy to become sin police with people and just make them feel like, uh, you know, all this guy does is just basically tell me all the things I'm doing wrong, right? And I was there, when I first became a Christian, that was like all I did with people. I mean, that was my message to people. And I just so regret that, some of these t- conversations I've had. But, you know, the Lord's taught me these things and that we are sharing good news, good news of great joy with people. Like, hey, yeah, you're a sinner, but there's a way to have it forgiven now, you know? And that's what I want to tell you. That's why, I, that's why I tell you you're a sinner is because I want you to know you can have it forgiven. And we major on Christ. And we don't major on, you know, hey, you're doing this and doing that and doing that and God hates you and you're going to hell because of it. Well, I mean, that might be true, but there's no offer of redemption in that. You know, if I can ask why I think that um, you have to be intentional because if you go to let's say, evangelize a LGBTQ plus thing, you're not going to talk about your sexist, the same, so forget about ever talking about 
that, just tell them, hey, you know, you're, you're a thief or you're a liar. Use those things, but don't use the sex because you're going to show them. Off. It's like they're, they're, they're yeah. I mean, I think that's good. That That is one of those things where, again, as you evangelize more, you just kind of start to learn and have wisdom that says, when you talk to a homosexual, most automatically know Christians just like, that's the worst thing you could possibly do in their eyes. And so when you come at them with something other than that, they're kind of like, whoa, it's different than what I expected. Yeah, Bill. I try and go about that is to just show that there's more value. You know, like... Uh, I've had a few conversations with people that fall in this category, and I'm like, there's more to your life than who you sleep. Like, no matter how promiscuous you are, you're spending more of your time every day outside of that than somebody else. Yeah. So I care more about that side of you than the other side of you, and that, and that sort of something. I don't want to just, right. you know, put your value at the family member came out. I was like, don't let a certain political party pander to you as if they care about you based off of who you sleep with. Because our value in this world is far deeper than just who we sleep with. And if you like this type of food, and you like to travel, and you like these sports, and there's more to you to care about than just that. So it's finding those kind of common grounds, like you said, moving away from one hot button topic and how you can exclude that without ignoring. Right, yeah, yeah, that's important. I mean, we definitely don't want to minimize it or make it seem like Hey, it's okay or nothing's wrong with it. I mean, you got to address it, right? You got to say it's not the will of God, but it's how you emphasize it. And it's what I've found to be profitable with when speaking with these people is, okay, listen, you're a sinner just like I'm a sinner. You've abandoned God's glory the same way I've abandoned God's glory. What you chose to do is different than what I chose to do. But nonetheless, you're in bondage to sin and I'm in bondage to sin pre-Christ. And we must repent and turn from our sin. There's nothing, like, it's not different for you than it was for me or for anybody else, right? Just because mine is my sin was more socially acceptable does not mean that I was able to keep it and hold on to it. Like in my attachment to those things is just as strong as your attachment to those things. And I think that the temptation, especially with that community, is to feel like they're ostracized. Like nobody understands and, you know, I have to give up who I love and all these things. And it's like, so do I, so did I, right? It's just different. Um, so that, that can be helpful. Yes. I had, had talked to someone once, and I just focus on sin is sin. Right. I don't care if man or woman, sex outside of marriage is sinful. Right. We all sin. Right. So just, I kept on the talk, you know, sin, whether it's man or man, woman, woman, man, woman, outside of, yeah. is sinful. Right. So we've all sinned, you know, it, it, it sins. Absolutely. Very true. Um, okay, then another thing I want to talk about was dealing with family members that are uh, professing Christians, right? But we have serious concerns about where they're at uh, based on their profession of faith and based on what we see with their lives. How, how do we go about dealing with these people? 
uh, and, and many of us have loved ones, right, in this state. I've talked to, to several of you about it. And, and I really think um, the best avenue for this is speaking about the new birth with them. Making clear the, the doctrine of regeneration. And that's just as mar- much as part of the gospel as salvation and justification is, is regeneration. You, you never get one without the other. You never get justified and have your sins forgiven apart from God doing a regenerative work inside of you in order to get faith anyways. And so the same means by which a person gets saved is the exact same means by which they get sanctified. And it's through faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. Right? Those, those who get saved always get sanctified. Always. And they always conform their life to Jesus. This is, you just can't escape this teaching in the scriptures. And First John is, I mean, the place, the probably most um, direct, straight to the point place that explains this. You know, and Jesus says, John uh, 3, uh, 26 or something, that you can't enter heaven unless you're born again. And it, this is exactly the thing, is when we see loved ones who we, we really care about, you know, and they say, but, you know, I'm saved. Like, it's not, it's not about my salvation at this point. I'm, I'm saved. I just, I'm not obeying. It might be. It might. That might be the case, right? And we, we know, and again, using wisdom and discernment, when we see our loved ones, perhaps our children or brothers or sisters or parents, um, we got to be very discerning. And I think approaching it with love and grace always, you know, giving the benefit of the doubt, working with them, not just coming at them like, I see you do this, that, there's no way you're a Christian. That's just not helpful, ever. And the scriptures never tell us to do that kind of thing. But we speak the truth in love, right? And so we don't shy away from confronting their sin. Especially, you can tell if it's some repeated thing where it's like, there's just no care for Christ in their life. I mean, they don't attend a church. They don't read their Bible. They don't care to pray. It's like the most basic foundational Christian things about loving your Savior. You just don't see it. And so that's where you want the heart and soul of the message to them to be. Like people that are saved love Christ. The commandments are not burdensome for a Christian. That's what First John tells us. And if you find yourself... Um, having a hard time obeying the commandments of God to love your neighbor, for example, or to be patient or to put pride away. If you really like find inside of you just a rebellion against that kind of thing, it's likely that you don't know Christ and your faith truly isn't in him. And you don't, you don't understand his salvation and what that does to free you from bondage, to make his commandments actually a delight and not a burden. Now, does that mean everything's easy to obey God? No. But it, you know, it's the, if you're truly saved, it's the delight and desire of your heart to obey it. You're not over here like, man, I really want to lie. But I can't. God told me I shouldn't do it. You know what I mean? No, it's like the temptation is there to lie and you're like, you're thinking about it and you're contemplating it, but in your heart it's like, Lord, please keep me from that kind of thing. I don't want that. 
And so you have to be able to communicate that kind of thing to your family members in a way of love and grace and mercy and compassion. That's like, listen, I know you profess Christ, okay? But let's look at some scriptures where your heart's desire is not, may not be for him. And you really have to, I'm calling you to, to think about that. Look at your heart and say, can you honestly stand before God and say, wow, the delight of my heart is to be like Jesus. I don't want my sin. I don't want, you know, self-preservation. I want Christ. And if you can say that, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, and if you if you can, if your family member or friend or close relative can say that, then you just have to leave it between them and the Lord and continue to foster that kind of um, relationship with them where you can kind of help them and be an encouragement to grow in that and be that voice of accountability for them, right? But maybe they'll they'll be like, wait a second. Yeah, that's not my experience. It's like perfect entry for talking about Christ. Yes. I was just going to say that sometimes I, 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 and maybe we can talk through this. I struggle a little bit. So, okay, so we're in this scenario. We're talking with an unbeliever, right, on the street. Okay. Okay. So what they need is the gospel to be saved, right? We don't want to talk about the fruit because that's like steering us away from because the gospel is the power to save. Right. Well, so when you say talking about the fruit with the unbeliever. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, you believe in abortion. Uh-huh. You're homosexual. Right. You know what I mean? So those are all like fruits. They're bad fruits. Right. Indicating that they're not saved. Right. 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 Well, I think the same thing like with our family members. But I think sometimes what happens is that we still do go to the fruit. Like even... Not to say that it's bad that we point that out. Yeah. But like your love of Christ, your, what you, what you, how you, how you think of when you sin, like those things are still actually fruit too. They, they're a different type of fruit than what we were talking about, about homosexual or, you know what I mean? Yeah. But then it's almost, I feel like sometimes we miss, like we still get kind of like, it's like. It's like when we, it's almost like we have a different pattern of, sh- of sharing Christ with people for those that we think that are believers. But I think sometimes we still focus too much on the fruit instead of continually just preaching the gospel, right? Because that's yeah showing them but- that they're not, showing them that they're not a believer, right? You can mention, do you know what I mean? But like the gospel, like talking about the gospel and... Like, that's the only thing that will save them. Not right. their realization that they're not saved. But right. you know what I mean? Like, right. I don't know. I guess I... That. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I want to be careful that the goal is not to just try to point out to loved ones who you might think are lost that, that they're lost. Right? I, that's not the goal. Go ahead, Mary. You wanna... um, I've had this on my mind because I have uh-huh. to deal with my kids who claim they know a lot about God and Jesus and that, but and I haven't had this conversation, especially the one son that I live with, so the question I want to ask him, I want to know um, who is God to him? How does he see God? I wanted to open the conversation with yeah. that, because I know I'm not going to name, because one time 
he said to me, well, what do I do wrong? And I said, oh. <laughs> I'm not going to name uh-huh. anything. You need to go to Jesus Christ. And if you really want to know, he'll show you. Because that's the last thing I'm going to do. I've done that in the past. You know, dealt with, well, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. Right. I stay away from it. But now I want to have the conversation, because they're not little boys, grown mm-hmm. men. Well, how do you view God? Right. How do you see him? And then right. take it from there. I'm going to try it. When I do, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. well, <laughs> because I, they all think, I think they think they're saved. That's a, oh, yeah, I see what you mean. I I guess, so. so here's the thing with this is, you know, a full view of the gospel message. It's not only justification, right? Justification is a great and wonderful truth of the gospel. But that's not all Christ died to accomplish for us. He died to accomplish our redemption from sin presently to give us power over sin and to put it to death. And it will be accomplished. It's not a, oh, well, some Christians just don't get power over their sin. You know, they get forgiven and get to heaven. But in this life, some Christians just don't have the Holy Spirit power to put sin to death. Maybe to different degrees they might. But they do. They certainly do. And they certainly love God. They love God and they're thankful to God for saving them. They want to know the true God more. Right, Marianne? Because you have people who say, oh, no, I'm saved. Well, they might be believing in a wrong Jesus and in a wrong God and in a wrong gospel message that that tells them I can have my sins forgiven, but I can hold on to my sin. And there's no real way to, to know for certain unless you just talk about it with them. Unless you say, listen, Christ is, this is what happens when a believer gets, puts their faith in Jesus and God regenerates you. This is what it looks like. You know, you're born again. You're a new creature. Those old sins, you hate them. They're not the delight and desire of your heart anymore, but Christ is. And, and talking through that with people helps, genuinely can help a person to know for themselves where they're at before God. Because if we really care about our family members, right, we want them to be saved. And yet, with discernment, we're able to tell, like, wait a second, this just doesn't look, something's not right. They're, they're struggling, like, immensely in sin. And um, it doesn't seem like they're able to break free. Now, do you go to them and say, you know, you're not, you're in bondage to your sin and looks like you're lost. Let me help you. No. no. You, but yes, you come with the gospel. Now, they may understand, hey, Jesus died for my sins. He bore his wrath. Uh, he bore God's wrath for my sin upon the tree. He became a sinner for me. He was raised from the dead. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe that stuff. Okay. Wait a second. Now, the devil believes that stuff too, right? That's what James tells us. He knows it's true. So what makes knowing something different than believing something? And that's where I'm getting at with regeneration. It's only regeneration that turns knowledge into a genuine saving belief that then that person casts themselves upon Jesus. And it's evident that they've cast themselves upon Jesus. 
It's not a mystery, and it shouldn't be a mystery to anybody, especially that individual. God does not want people walking around not knowing whether they've trusted Christ or not, right? And he gives us, according, I mean, to 1 John, again, is the primary one, but there's so many other texts. He wants us to know. And the way he wants us to know is by examining the fruit that's produced from our belief. Either the fruit that's produced is godly, it's in accordance with scripture, and it's primarily heart things that most, um, somebody who doesn't know you can't see it right away. Now they might be able to, you know, if you're doing some good deed or something, but you want to get at the heart with people that, that if you just get a glimpse of even a believer at the wrong moment, you might come up with the wrong conclusion. And so it's not a thing of just that says like, oh, I see that sin and I saw you do this sin and I saw you do that sin. It's like, no, 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 this is deep. This is like the core of who you are. And it's not a mystery. If your great desire is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, you can have confidence. Would you say, um, because I'm just thinking of my own, my kids, I had Mm -hmm. a conversation, but if if you believe in God and if you really love him, you know, first of all, you shouldn't be looking to God to do things for you, to give you things. What if he couldn't give you anything? If you say you love someone, even a human being, don't you want to please that person? Don't you want to do what is best for that person? And like God, I mean, he's everything. If you really know, if you claim you know who he is, right? don't you want to go to him and talk to him and you know and then get into the word of god and yeah. get to know him more and i think asking because those... i know a lot about they could sit in a room like this and agree with you yeah because they have a lot of understanding because they've been taught that right from their father from myself well and especially like with our children <laughs> we know them intimately you yeah. see their lives i mean on a level to which most people will never see people's and you get to see the genuine character of their life. Mm-hmm. And you care about them, right? I mean, you don't want to say, oh, well, you know, hey, they profess. And so I'm just going yeah. to swing on eternity in hopes that that's true. And so it's exactly those kinds of heart prodding questions mm-hmm. that says, no, if I'm concerned, like, you ought to be concerned, my love, my little mm-hmm. child. I want to grow you. I want to, I want to help you. And I'm concerned. And so you just go genuinely. And if they just shut it down and say, Mom, you know, forget it. And they have kids. They have grandkids. Right. So that's an absolute, that's a great thing to do. This Uh, is, this is the facts of life. Exactly. It's a great thing to do. If, if anything, I mean, you're opening the door for them to start thinking about, yeah, where is my heart at? You know, if my mom is saying she sees this and that and the other, any genuine Christian who heard their mother come to them and have concerns about their spiritual walk with Christ, a genuine believer would be very concerned. I mean, come on, wouldn't you? If somebody came up to you in church and said, brother, you know, listen, I have serious concerns with you. You, know, you may not be a Christian. and I would be like, what? Tell me. Okay, let's talk about it. You know, what can I do? What did I do? What have I done? Again, that shows a small demonstration of I just want to glo- I just want to love and glorify God with my life. 
That doesn't mean I got to be evangelizing twice a week and preaching sermons and a missionary over here. No, no, no. This is just, I love Christ and I want him to be glorified in my life. Even a lot of people go to church all the time and they're not saved. So, you know, I'm not going to say, well, you need to be in church. No, there's more to this than just going to church. Yeah. A saving relationship (coughs) is uh, one which regenerates the heart. And it's not a mystery to figure out. Um, but but it does take laboring with people we love. You know, we got to be willing to have these conversations, to talk about hard things, to expose hard things, and do it ever so mercifully, you know, very mercifully, because we want them to know we care about them and we're not just like, hey, get your life together, you know? Oh, boy. Okay, well, I only got like two of six. Um <laughs> I just want to I just want to mention real quick too um, dealing with fears of evangelizing, um, and you know it's a real thing. I listen. I'm nervous every time I talk to somebody. Um, I don't. I'm not. Sh- I hope it goes away, but I don't. I don't know if it'll ever go away. But again, it's just like with people we don't know. For example, being convinced about eternal things and having our minds set upon eternal things, upon Christ, upon who he is and the need for people's salvation will cause you will. I mean, it will, there's no choice to, to talk to people about it. Um, and to want people to be saved so much so that you're willing to mention to them, Hey, like you ever think about what happens after you die? Um, and then having like a good kind of entry question that's an icebreaker in a conversation can really help. And those are some things I use. Um, I ask people, how do they think they get to heaven? I ask people that all the time. People will say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And I say, you know what? I talk to you know people that say they're Christians all the time. Can I just ask you one question? If I asked you how to get to heaven, what would you tell me? And then they tell me, oh, just be a good person, you know, just obey God and follow his commandments and you're fine. It's like, whoa, all right, now I know where to go and I can talk to them about the true gospel. Or you can say, yeah, you know, do you ever think about what happens after you die? Um, Do you ever think about God? Do you believe there's a God? Where did everything come from? Just having like a question that sort of, do you go to church anywhere? Even somebody you don't know, immediately they'll either tell you, oh, yeah, I go, you know, so-and-so. And And if they say some, you know, charismatic megachurch, you know where to go. And then if they tell you, no, I don't go to church. Oh, religion, who needs religion, you know? And you just get all kinds of responses from people. But it at least gives you an an opportunity to say a 30-second, one-minute presentation of Jesus Christ. Listen, you know, there is a God created you. He loves you. And he wants you to be saved. He wants you to have your sins forgiven, even though you rebel against him. And if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you will have your sins forgiven. It's like as simple as that in line at the grocery store. And just being normal, trying to strike up a conversation with somebody. You know, I learned that from Paul Washer, actually. And it's just been such a transformative help for me. Just be normal. You know? Like, I know it's so easy to think about, oh, I have to share the gospel. It's first. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm nervous. What are they going to think of me? And I should now. And then the opportunity goes and the person's gone. And then you're like, Phew. well, Lord, I guess you didn't want me to. <laughs> no, just be normal. Hey, how you doing? 
you know, nice, nice to see you today, or, or you look good today, or I like your hair, you know, or I don't know, something. Just strike up a conversation. And then just real quickly, hey, you know, can I ask you, do you ever think about what might happen when you die? And it's like, whoa, you know, that seems like a heavy question, but listen, it opens the door, you know? Or, hey, I'm a Christian. Just be honest. I'm a Christian. I would love to share uh, my faith with you. Is it okay if I just take one minute of your time to explain the gospel with you? Very simple. 90% of people will say, uh, sure, yeah, go ahead. Some people are going to say no, to which you just say, okay. I understand. Thank you. But have a good day. And if people say, uh, sure, go ahead. Then just be normal and genuine and sincere. Share Christ with them. And you never know what will happen. Maybe you exchange phone numbers. Maybe you exchange an email. Maybe they're like, hey, where do you go to church? And you just give them the website or something. I don't know. Carry around one of those Medina Bible postcards. It's as simple as that. Practically speaking, you know, not every conversation is going to be an earth-shattering experience. But you always want to be, with everywhere you go and with everybody you come into contact with, Lord, help me just talk about you today. Help me share you with somebody today. Open the door for me to talk about you today. And if you're just constantly praying that, just be careful. Because he will open the doors, right? And you just got to walk through them then. But I'll tell you, it's a it's such a comforting and reassuring thing when you pray for an open door and it's just so blatantly obvious the Lord opens this door. And then you're it's so much easier to then talk about it. You're like, oh, I've just been praying about this all, you know, asking you to open a door for the past week and boom, look at this opportunity. So that kind of thing. Any final uh, thoughts or questions? It's tiresome. If you do it, you do it for a while. You start getting tired. I mean, when I say tired, not like, I'm tired of doing it. It's like, it will drain your energy from, from doing it. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but it's kind of like, like I'm whooped and I'm like, I didn't do much. But. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, all right, guys. Well, thank you. We'll uh, close in prayer. Father, I thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be able to gather here today and, and freely talk about you. Lord, and I pray that we would use our freedom in this country that we have and that you've given us to proclaim you while there is still light and day. Lord, for night comes when no man can work. I pray that you'd give us boldness, courage, help us to overcome our nervousness with people, and give us wisdom as to what to say with people. Lord, we love you, and we just want you to be magnified and honored in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.